tonight, tonight we are in week two of a series that's really near and dear to my heart, a series that I am very excited about and a series that I'm excited to keep on going. Next week is our last week, but it is called I Have Questions. I Have Questions. What I love about this series, guys, is that everything that we are talking about is from questions that you have all asked. Last week we talked about depression and the significance of your experience of going through depression and what that means and how God is with us in the midst of it and how we as Christ followers respond to those experiences. It was a, it was a special night for me personally. It was one uh, that impacted me. I know that for many of you it impacted you as well. And next week, uh, well, you'll have to find out what we're going to talk about. Stay tuned to social media. But it sounds like we're going to talk about science So the significance of science and how do we as Christians encounter, interact with, and respond to science. Is science evil? Spoiler alert, no, it's not. Come next week to find that out, uh, but uh, pay attention to social media for last uh, answer as to whether or not we're going to be talking about it, but 99.9% sure we're going to. But tonight we're talking about one that's going to be hard. So I'm asking you guys to buckle in a little bit, and I'm asking you guys to not ignore what we're talking about tonight. Tonight we're talking about racism. We're talking about racism, and we're asking the question, is racism in the Bible? Is racism in the Bible, and how should Christians respond? And I'm sure that many of you understand things that have been happening in our community recently. There is an incident at a local school that involved some anti-Semitism and some hateful rhetoric. And many of you reached out to me the following days and said, Matt, we need to talk about this. Matt, we need to have this question answered. Matt, we have no idea what it means for us to be Christian in the midst of this conflict, in the midst of this issue, in the midst of this experience. And so I want you guys to hear me say from the forefront of this message is that this is not a political message. This has nothing to do with politics. This is not a Republican message. This is not a Democratic message. This is simply a message which is rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as you listen to what I am saying, do not hear the politics. Because naturally in the world that we live in, race and racism has become a topic only for politicians and for the realm of politics. And that is half of the reason Why it is still the issue that it is today is because the church has not risen up and done their job. And so at the forefront of this, I want you to hear me say this loud and clear. Racism is evil. Racism is anti-Christian. Racism is condemned by Jesus. Racism has no place in the life of a Christian. And I could leave the message right there, but instead I have other things to say. But that's what's most important that you hear. There is no environment, no culture, no space, no place where racism will ever be okay. But the question remains the same. What does the Bible have to say about racism? Well, the first question we have to ask is, is racism in Scripture? Is racism in scripture? And the answer might shock you. 
No, it's not. Why? Because racism is something that has been constructed over the past hundred years. So while the term racism is not in scripture, what racism is, the act of racism is indeed. In fact, it is all over the place. Jesus' ministry deals with race, bias, and prejudice 80% of the time. So is racism in scripture, meaning is the term and the terminology racism in scripture? No, it is not, but bias is. Prejudice is, hate is, oppression is. You've heard me talk about the story of the Samaritan woman at the well many a times in John chapter four. That is a story that is steeped in race. What I mean by that is that the reason why the disciples were shocked that he was talking to that woman was not just because she was a female, but it was because of her race. Jewish people hated Samaritans. Samaritans was a race, a group, a tribe of people. So often you'll hear Jesus' own disciples say things like, Jesus, do not even the dogs. Or, or, or say things like, Jesus, what about the Gentiles? And that language is language that is steeped in race. Because it's Jewish versus everyone else. It's this belief that, well, Jewish people are better than other people. Race, bias, prejudice, all over the place in Scripture. Now what we do know is that Jesus fought against it. And Jesus condemned it. And Jesus did not perform it. He went out of his way to encounter people who were different than him. He went out of his way to encounter people who spoke a different language, encounter people who looked a different way. He went out of his way to break down the racial barriers of his time. And I'm going to be honest, guys, the message is only going to get more uncomfortable from there. So like I said, buckle in and take advantage of your small group time after this. Because this is an issue that we cannot just say, I'm uncomfortable, I'm, 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 I'm shielding off, I'm not listening, this isn't me. This is an issue that we will all encounter at some point in our life. This is an issue where you might be stepping one single toe into it. And what you're going to come to find out is even putting one toe into the waters of racism will completely pollute your whole entire being. So before we talk about that, let's open up our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. If you don't have your Bibles, I'll have it on the screen for you. I'm reading from the NIV translation for this specific scripture. And it says this, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In the image of God... He created them. Who is the them? Well, it's humankind. And from this scripture, we get a theological term called Imago Dei. How many of you have ever heard of the term Imago Dei? It's fun to say. Everyone repeat it after me. Imago Dei. Isn't that kind of fun to say? Imago Dei. Imago Dei. 
From this verse, we get imago Dei. So God created mankind in his imago Dei. In the imago Dei, he created them. Male and female, he created them. What imago Dei means is image of God. So this term is an ancient term. It started at the beginning of the Catholic Church way, way long ago, older than your parents, older than your grandparents, older than their grandparents. A long time ago, the term Imago Dei, oh, yikes, Imago Dei came to be. It's one of those things where you just gotta say yikes and move past it. Imago Dei, Imago Dei. What it means is image of God. And what it's saying is that every single human is Imago Dei. So it is not just Adam and Eve were Imago Dei and everyone since them isn't. It's not, well, white people are Imago Dei or, well, European people are Imago Dei or Jewish people are Imago Dei. It is all human beings are Imago Dei. Every single person you will ever see has been created in the image of God. Every single person, no matter the handicap, no matter the illness, no matter the mental state, no matter the past, no matter the future, every single person in the whole entire world to ever exist is Imago Dei. And what that means is literally in all of creation, the creation account goes something like this. God created water. God created land. God created fish for the water. God created trees and plants and all those things. And he tra- created animals and created everything but humans. And he looked at it and said, hmm, that's good. But then finally he creates uh, these people. He creates these people, and it says that in his image, he created humans. In his image, he created humans, and he steps back, looks at the creation that he just made, which is Imago Dei, and he says, mmm, that's so good. So he creates and says that it's good, and then he creates in his image and says that it is so good. What that tells us is that what makes us Imago Dei is our capacity to know God, our capacity to know each other, our capacity to be sentient beings, and our capacity to simply be human. Makes us Imago Day. The fact that you can turn to the person on your left or to the person on your right and say, I love you, makes you Imago Day. The fact that you can look to God and say, Lord, I need your help, makes you Imago Day. We are all Imago Day. Now, why do I define this? Why do I define this? And it might be obvious for some of you, it might not be obvious for the other, but the reason why is because racism in and of itself is an issue of image. Because when you are a racist or when anyone is a racist, what you are literally doing is looking at a different person and saying, you do not have the image of God. When you are looking at another person in a racist way or you are saying something racist or you are taking part in a racist conversation or even when you are laughing at a racist joke, you are looking at the person And you are saying, you do not bear the image of God, but I do. 
You are looking at them and you are literally stripping away from them their identity, which is being an image bearer of God. In your eyes, in your mind, in your actions, in your words, you are saying you are not Imago Dei. And God is in heaven or so, I think I can take a guess and say, how dare you strip them of the image that I have given them? How dare you strip them of the Imago Dei that I have given them out of love? Because I look at them and I see my image. And friends, what racism does is it strips it from them. And it says, here's me, I bear the image of God. Here's you, you don't. Here's you, you're not capable. Here's you, God looks at you differently. When God is in heaven saying, how dare you? We are not the ones who determine the image by which each other is created. And God in Genesis 1 verse 27 tells us that every single human is created in the image of God. And once again, I could stop my message right there and say we're done. But I still got more. Because friends, now is where it goes from being this abstract thing to being something that's right in front of your face. And it begs the question, what are you going to do about it? Before I go any further, I want to tell a story. When I was in high school, I had a really good friend. He was one of my best friends. His name was Jack, and he was Jewish. And me and my friends would oftentimes make small, sarcastic remarks about his ethnicity. And time after time again, he would laugh, and, and he, he'd, he'd accept it. But it wasn't until a conversation, when I think I was a senior, when I was talking to him, and I asked him, kind of for the first time, what do you think when, when people make these jokes? And it was, it was little things, like we'd go out to eat, and someone would say, oh, I bet you Jack could buy it for us. And I finally asked him, I said, what do you think of these jokes? And he said, you know, Matt, if I'm being honest, it's, it, I don't like them. I don't like them. And so it had been three years of nearly constant jokes, year after year after year, that I took part in, all the while thinking they were harmless and inviting him to church. And he'd look at me with these eyes of, yes, he loved me. Yes, he was a good friend of mine. But he always heard the jokes. And friends, I I, I bet you, I can guarantee you that some of you are the one making the jokes. And if we simply looked at our friend who we are laughing at the expense of and asked them, hey, how does this make you feel? we would learn that they don't like it. And you'd think I would learn my lesson after having that conversation, but I didn't. And I went back to, or I went to college at Bethel University, go Royals. Um, and I had an RA and this RA quickly became one of my best friends. He was one of my roommates my sophomore year and he was black. And once again, these small kind of sarcastic jokes would start happening 
between all of us and he would laugh and I would laugh and we'd think, oh, it's okay, he doesn't mind. And it wasn't until I traveled for three months, or for a month with him, I don't know why I said three months, for a month with him, uh, all throughout Europe, about four years ago, three years ago, and I again, I asked him, hey, how does this make you feel? And he said, Matt, it does not make me feel good. See, for so long, people have made these jokes thinking I'm fine with it and I ignore it and it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. But the reality is, is that I can't control what you're making fun of me for. Because that's what you're doing. You're making fun of me for the color of my skin and for what most people think that might mean. And that was the moment when I realized, even though I was steeped in this idea of racism being evil for the first time, It was right in front of me, and I had to understand that I did not know what I was doing. That I was not aware because of what I look like and the fact that people do not make those jokes to me. It wasn't until I actually sat with him and asked him and watched him break down his barriers and open himself up to me and say, Matt, is dehumanizing. You see, all of those years, just one toe in the water had polluted my whole entire being. And I tell you this story because I believe that that reveals something to us about the heart of God. And so the scripture I'm about to read you is not about race. So as we read it, as I read it to you, do not hear it or read it looking for race, because you're not going to find it, and if you are looking for it, it's just going to distract you, because it's not there. However, what I think the scripture does for us is it actually shows us the heart of God. It actually shows us God's heart in how he has chosen that things must be. It shows us that God has declared things clean and other things unclean. And once I'm done reading this, it's from the book of Haggai. It's the book of Haggai. It's like the second to last book of the Old Testament. Uh, you can turn to it if you want. Um, I'm going to read why he's saying what he's saying. After, But first, let me tell you who Haggai is. Haggai's a prophet. He's a prophet. And what that means is that it was his job to speak to God's people on behalf of God. So God would say to him, hey, Haggai, tell these people this. And Haggai would say, all right. And he'd tell him that. And that's what this is. This is an encounter where where God has told Haggai to say something to a group of priests. Haggai chapter 2, verse 11. Again, this is the NIV translation. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priest what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with this people and with this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer, there is defiled. So what's happening in this scripture is Haggai is literally saying to the priests, hey, 
if you have something that's holy and it touches something that's unclean, does the unclean thing become holy? No. But if you have something unclean, touch something that is holy, does the holy thing become unclean? Yes. Now, what he's talking about, the ceremonial rites that he's talking about, that's a long story. We won't get into that today. It has different impl- uh, implications. That's the right word. I want to say implications. 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 The implications are different. However, in Leviticus, <laughs> Leviticus, never talked about Leviticus before. I was so excited. In Leviticus chapter 10, verse 10, this is the ESV translation, says this. Now, what is Leviticus? Leviticus is literally the law that the Israelites followed in ancient, ancient, ancient Israel. So it was the law, it was the, it, it was the, the uh, Bill of Rights, it was the Declaration of Independence, that's not law. It was all the things that they followed uh, as Jewish people. It says this, you are to distinguish, this is God saying to the Jewish people, you are to distinguish between the holy and the common and between the unclean and the clean. Now, friends, how does this apply to racism? Well, I think I can say pretty confidently, according to the heart of God, that racism is unclean. That racism is unclean. And if that is true, then just like what Haggai is saying, is that even if you love Jesus, even if you are holy, even if you are righteous, even if you are saved, even if you read your Bible every single day, even if you pray 15 hours a day, I don't know what you do for the other nine, but for 15 of them you pray and you're on your knees and you're sobbing before the Lord and you are just the most holy of holies and my goodness, you touch someone and they are healed and they grow an extra arm. That's how powerful you are. I don't care how holy you are. What God says is that if something unclean touches you, well, guess what? You're now unclean. What are you going to do about it? Because, friends, it's just like this water. This water is you. This water is you, right? About a year ago, you were at summer camp at Big Sandy, and you gave your life to Jesus And ever since then, you have been passionately following Jesus. And my goodness, you've started 17 million Bible studies. And you are, like, again, touch people, grow three arms, and they only needed one. Whatever it might be. You are holy. But then you make a joke. And suddenly, that one joke ruins your whole entire being. And and suddenly, that one joke, well, it's followed by another one. And you know what? Even, Even though you love Jesus, this is what's happening. And friends, this isn't just racism. It's pornography. It's getting drunk on the weekend. It's having sex and not being married. And you see that it slowly begins to take over that which was clean. You see, what Haggai tells us is that when that which is unclean touches that which is clean, this is what happens. And so it could be one joke. 
And then repentance is is needed. It could be one comment and then repentance is needed. It could be one judgment that no one hears except yourself and repentance is needed. Because friends, the reality of the evil of racism is that there's no such thing as a little bit of racism. There's either racism or there's not. See, that one drop, while I added many, stained it. And look what it's become. So what do we do as Christians? Because at this point it seems, well, I'm hopeless. But what do we do as Christians? Well, it starts with repentance. See, no matter the sin, this, this is any sin. This could be lying. This could be cheating. It's not just racism. This could be any sin, anything that Christ calls us out of. When we go back into it, this is what happens. But Christ doesn't leave us. But Christ doesn't leave us. In fact, he says to us, hey, I will remove from you your crimson stain, right? Or let's just say, I will remove from you your blue-tainted water. And, and I will place within you something new. It, it says that I, I will wipe your crimson stains white as snow. Or, or I, will, I will empty out your blue water and I will place clear, beautiful Fiji water or Voss water back in. Or, or he says that I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will place within you a heart of flesh. You see, so often we as Christians think, okay, well, I was, so I was sitting at Big Sandy and I said yes to Jesus for the first time and I never have to say yes to Jesus ever again. You see, we think that it's this experience and we think that it's like, oh my goodness, Jesus, yes! Take me, Lord! And then it's like, the next week you're, nothing's changed. But I said yes to Jesus. Or, or, or even it's, yes, take me, Lord! And it keeps happening. But that doesn't mean you stop repenting from your sins. You see, friends, I I firmly gave my life over to Jesus the summer before my junior year of high school. I firmly gave it over to him. I know for a fact that I can tell you that when I was at summer camp in between my sophomore and junior year, that that was when I said yes to Jesus for the very first time. And things have been completely different since then. But do you notice what happened after that? the conversation with my Jewish friend. And even after that, the conversation with my black friend. You see, the fact that I gave my life to Jesus didn't mean that I was no longer going to sin. It didn't mean that I was no longer going to be able to do these things that hurt other people. But what happened is that that forced me to go right back to this spot where I met Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me. And say, Jesus, that is not who I want to be. That is not who I want to be. See, the Apostle Paul himself says, why do I keep on sinning? 
Why do I keep doing that which I know I should not do? That's the Apostle Paul. He wrote the majority of your New Testament. And he is literally saying, God, why do I keep sinning when I know I shouldn't? And friends, it is an onward, never-ending journey. It will not end until Jesus comes back or we go to Jesus. But what I can tell you is that racism does this. And I refuse to be a ministry that is willing to stay like this. I refuse to be the pastor who's going to stay like this. See, I refuse to talk to each of you and say, I am fine with you staying like this. Because it could be a little joke. But this is what happens. It could be one comment. This is what happens. It could be one judgment. This is what happens. Oh, the stories that I could tell about times when this has happened to me. Oh, the stories I could tell you about times when I've realized I just followed him through the store because I assumed he was going to steal. And this is what I look like. But Jesus offers forgiveness. And so friends, how is this right in front of your face? Band, you guys can come on up. This is right in front of your face because what this is saying is that we are all capable of it. And you know what? You don't just have to be white to be capable of this. It's right in front of our faces. The question is, is are you going to let it stay there? Or are you going to say that you will not be one who is willing to let your being become this? Because we're called to be different. We're called to be that which goes into the world and recognizes that we are different because of the way that we love. And that is not love. No, that's hate. So friends, racism is not a political issue. That's dangerous. (laughs) Racism is not a political issue. Racism is a love issue. Are you going to love people who are different than you? Racism, Racism is not just a political issue. It's an image issue. Do you truly believe that everyone is made after the image of God? Do you truly believe that everyone you will ever look at is Imago Dei? And friends, racism is not just a political issue. It's a gospel issue. Will we as high school ministry believe that the gospel overcomes racism? I say it does. And I say that you can actually be the generation that will see racism cease to exist in your schools. See, I I don't know why not. If God can bring someone up from the dead, why can't he make us to be a people that will say to the face of racism, no, turn around and leave? See, I believe that we can actually overcome the evils of this world because who is inside of us is more powerful than any evil that could ever live. And we're about to sing a song about how we are right on the edge of heaven. 
And friends, if this is the world and heaven's out there and we are this close, we are this close and we need only to lean and step in and we will encounter heaven itself. And when we peek in, we're gonna look and we're gonna see tribes and tongues and skin colors and all of these people that are so different than us that, oh my goodness, they knew Jesus and oh my goodness, I didn't know, and oh my goodness, I, and we're going to realize that the gospel is not bound by skin color, but the gospel is love. And when we peer into heaven, as when we peel back the curtains and we get a peek into heaven, we are going to see that God's love overcame everything. So Jesus, we ask that in these moments you would speak to us. In these moments, Lord, would you convict us of our sin, whether it's racism or other sins, Lord, would we, would we be convicted of them? Would we feel them deeply, Lord? Would you bring us to tears if that's what it takes? But Lord, would you not leave us there because I know you won't. But Lord, would you reach out your hand and say, I am here and I will pull you out of it. You will give us a new heart. You will make us white as snow. Jesus, you will remove from us our stains. You will remove from us our burdens and our stones and our yokes. And you will actually say that your love is more powerful. And you will tell us about how Jesus died for us. And you will tell us about how Jesus lives for us. And you will tell us about how Jesus empowers us. And the Holy Spirit is with us, Jesus. And you will make all which is wrong right. But Jesus, as we keep stepping in life, we will stumble. And we will have little drops of sin put into us. And it will pollute us yet again. And we will go back to you in that place and say, Jesus, heal me one more time. Jesus, save me one more time. Jesus, take my sin. And the exact same thing will happen as you will reach out your hand and you will remind us of who you are. You will remind us of your love. You will remind us of your cross and of your death and of your resurrection. And we will keep on living and one more drop of sin will go back in. And Jesus, you will be made known through us despite all of that. So Jesus, in these moments as the church, would we pray through this song? And when we go into our schools tomorrow, would people look at us and say, what's different about you? And when we hear things that shouldn't be said, would we say, hey, stupid joke, shut up. And we would go to our friends and say, hey, how does, how does that make you feel? And would we ask questions? And Oh Lord, I just ask that you would make us different. Equip us, empower us, and send us. We love you. 